This is episode 2B of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, June 5th, 2012. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kroon. This is Free as in Freedom. And you have an announcement that people already know if they read your blog. That's right. People who only listen to this don't know, presumably. That's right. Um, and I feel a little bit weird announcing such things okay. to the world. But Do you want me to uh, announce it? No, I, well, I blogged about it. So, um, so uh, I'm pregnant. Okay. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, that's just not a topic that's that interesting. No, I, I agree. I always feel bad when... when they, <laughs> Because you, you, they tell you in, the, in like charm school or whatever, which I didn't really go to charm school, but they, they but basically they tell you when. <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh, was, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but they tell you when when you like like dealing with people and like it's classic for salespeople or whoever. When you deal with people, you're supposed to like ask after the kids and all this stuff, and it's like um, the fact of the matter is like I never, I mean. I never ask after people's. I ask after your kid because we're friends separately from professional. But if somebody, I just know somebody professionally. I don't ask about their whole stuff, their personal life. It's their personal life. I mean, I think it's intrusive to be well, like. Well, I sometimes what about your kids? do. If people that. bring them up, you know, I think it's nice if they're thinking about them and they say that it's nice to remember it and to follow up because it means that if they were thinking about it one time, you talk that they probably are thinking about it later. And so it's nice in that way. But I always I feel pretty awkward about it because people's. The societally approved reaction is to say congratulations, but it's such a weird thing to say congratulations. The whole thing. I, I agree. It's very, very strange. But, um, but in any event, so if you guys, um, see any talks that I give from here on out, you'll probably notice. So, um, so I'll be, um, most likely very visibly pregnant at Guadec, for example. And Oscon and, if you go. And Oscon if I go. Yeah. So and and uh, yeah, it's just for people keeping tabs on where we'll be. Uh, Karen will definitely be at Guadec. I will definitely not be there. Mm-hmm. So you can see Karen at Guadec. You might be able to see Karen at Oscon. You can definitely see me at Oscon. Not speaking, they didn't want any of my talks, but I will be there as a, as an attendee wandering around, um, feeling dejected because I don't have a talk accepted. Um, <laughs> I think you should be excited to be at a conference and not have to speak. It will be, I mean, it will be, uh, it'll be like a nice relaxing, relaxing relief. It will be relaxing. Nice That's, break. That part is true. It'll be relaxing. Yeah. But I feel like I'm a nobody if I'm not speaking. I, the bar is set so high. Um, the thing is, you just, I don't know. I love going to conferences when I'm not speaking. I mean, I don't get to do it that often because it's, you know, it's hard to justify the expense. I, I have this in common with RMS. So my attitude is like, what's the point in going if you're not speaking? But. Well, there's a lot of good work that can be done. I suppose that most of the real work going, is behind the scenes. And I mean, it's not really like you know. I feel like some of the advocacy that we do in, in our speeches is effective and um, makes a big difference. But on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of real work that gets done because you're in the same place as a lot of people. Yeah, and I'll be at. Uh, I just got confirmed yesterday. I'll be at LinuxCon North America and LinuxCon Europe. Both cool. Um, probably be speaking at both, uh, although I don't know what I'll be speaking about yet. And uh, and for this show, uh, we've been threatening for some time that we would have guests again. And after much audio wrangling much and even more Bradley. work, well, and even more work that poor Dan Lynch is going to have to do, our our intrepid producer Dan, yeah. uh, we will have a guest coming up in the next segment. And can we just say also a thank you to producer Dan for doing this the extra special episode 
um, last time. Yes, he did. He did it off week. Uh, he did it in conflict with Rat Hole Radio, which is always tough for him because he has to do our edit and do his Rat Hole Radio, which you should all listen to if you like music at all, which I don't, so I don't listen, but <laughs> I know most people do. So if you like music at all, Rat Hole Radio, Dan Lynch's show, our producer, it's a great way to hear about uh, about music that's available under free software licenses or free music licenses, I guess I should say. And without further ado, the interview. Yeah, the interview's up next. So, Karen, uh, our next guest has the great honor of being the first guest, first actual sort of phone-in type guest on Free As and Freedom. Yeah, because we've done some interviews, but they've all been in person because we haven't had the equipment set up. But. And, uh, and our next guest, who we're about to introduce, was very nice to set up a, a free software setup. Uh, she's using GNOME 2, not GNOME 3, but she's using free software and got it all set up to record. But listeners won't be surprised that she's using free software when we That's introduce that it's Deb Nicholson. <laughs> and, and Deb Nicholson uh, might be known to people from her work a, as a staffer at the FSF, uh, but more recently she works for the Open Invention, or, or Open OIN, which stands for what, Deb? <laughs> uh, Open Invention Network. Uh, so I, I work there and I also um, put my time in at Media Goblin. So... So I'm, I'm split time right now. Oh, that's great! And actually, Media Goblin. Uh, I just said on a recent show that uh, that Media Goblin is the uh, is the great uh, the great bastion of using the AGPL in the right way. So I, I'm a, I'm certainly a fan of GNU Media and Goblin and your colleague Chris Weber who runs it. Um, and we actually might have him on a later show. We're gonna now that this is working, we're gonna we're gonna reach out to him to talk about that. But what we had you on is to tell us a little bit more about OIN, and then we'll maybe talk about how much I hate OIN, and we can we can we can we can, we can sort it all out together. But why don't you first introduce for our listeners just what OIN is and what it does uh, if they don't remember from the panel discussion we had before. Okay, uh, great. So uh, the Open Invention Network is a defense and patent pool for uh, GNU Linux on the desktop, um, Linux on mobile platforms. It's basically like a mutual non-aggression tool. Uh, companies sign up with us and they agree not to sue each other on the stuff in the pool. And uh, then they have defensive resources for if they get sued by other companies outside the pool working on uh, similar technology. And who can sign up for OIN? Uh, anyone who is willing to agree to the mutual non-aggression piece. So if you're using the, like, if you have patent related to Linux in your portfolio, but you want to use them for aggression, then you can't, then you, it's not a good fit. But if you um, if you're sick of the aggression and you want to get off that merry-go-round, then uh, we'd love to have you. And what so, is uh, what is patents related to Linux mean? Like how is that defined? Oh, okay. So there's a lot of them, and I'm not an attorney. So I, if you're going to ask me like super specific questions, I'll already. Oh no, I, I just just tell generally okay. for our listeners because you know I know, oh. but but, to, but give a general <laughs> overview for our listeners. Right. So uh, basically, uh, it's GNU Linux on the desktop, and then increasingly, it's uh, more and more Linux on on the mobile platform. So, um, so everything from like the compiler tools all the way up to um, you know office efficiency tools. Right. Uh, and then in the in the mobile space, which I'm a little less familiar with, uh, there's a lot of development tools there, uh, but there's also you know like mobile desktops and stuff like that, or whatever you call it desktop without a desk. 
Right, and there's there's actually some, this thing called the Linux system definition that OAM publishes, right? Which is which is on your right. website, so people could actually go and read that, which which of course I have done because yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, the, yeah, thank you. There is a great resource for looking at all the specifics. Yeah, on but, our website. and all the packages are named and everything like that. And didn't you, you guys just uh, expand the definition recently too? We yeah, we did actually. Uh, it had been a little while, and um. It's, uh, you know that thing about, like, the most efficient meeting is the one where just one person shows up? We never get to have those meetings, so, <laughs> um, it took us a little bit of, uh, back and forth to, um, decide uh, what was the best direction to go forward on, uh, updating the Linux system definition. Although, the first time wasn't as painful as we thought, so I think we're going to be doing it more regularly, which is great, and we're also soliciting more, um, input from the wider community and not just our... Um, our founding members and our licensees. So, like, um, Karen, you probably actually have an email um, asking if GNOME has stuff that should be in the updated uh, version of the Linux system definition. Yeah, I just got uh, that email and was very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I and I have to admit, I mean, I actually, um, Keith asked me. Keith is your your boss, Keith Bergelt at the OIN. Yep. And and um, I, this is in fact, uh, and, and our longtime listeners will have heard me criticize OIN before in various different ways. And one of the classic criticisms I have. Um, uh, somewhat to my chagrin, I can't make anymore, uh, because it's, it's, it is in the middle of changing, uh, because Keith did come up to me at, uh, Linux Collaboration Summit and said, well, you know, we, we've, we've heard what you've said and we're gonna, we want, uh, send me any packages you think ought to be on the list. Just send me a list. Anything you think should be on there. Um, and I actually have to follow up on that, but, uh, but that's, that's a new thing <laughs> from OIM, which I really appreciate because it was one of my primary yeah. criticisms. And I, I mean, I, the jury's still out because we'll have to see once we submit these things, if they're put onto the list, but assuming they're submitted and everything the community says wants to be on the list gets on the list, then it's, a, it's a much improvement, I think. Well, and I think that it's really critical to have a lot of developer input on that process, even if it's, uh, I mean, I think one of the things that is a challenge for OEN is that we're um, stewardshipping, I guess, a tool for developers at the end, but it's it's very lawyery, and um, there's only a certain length of conversation that most developers want to have about legal issues, and so, um, but we do definitely need that input, and I think it's really important. And the more easily, you know, the more easy we can make the process of giving us that input, the better. Actually, you know, one thing that I think might be really helpful for our listeners is, you know, we talk about the system definition getting expanded and the stewardship of OIN, but maybe if you could briefly explain sort of who those stewards are and how some of that decision get, decisions get made, because I think looking at the OIN site, um, it's sometimes hard to see, you know, since anyone can sign up for OIN, but there's a decision-making process that's only by certain members. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's six companies that originally decided, and there are larger companies that had the wherewithal also to fund this initiative. Um, they decided that they would prefer to not get sued by each other on stuff within the Linux system definition. And then there was a process of winnowing down. Um, as I'm sure you guys are aware, many large companies have interests like all over the board in technology. And so the thing we were able to get folks to agree on was Let's at least agree to mutual non-aggression on on the Linux system, um, and that's you know that's you can hear the capital L capital S there, um, and so that's that's who's traditionally decided like what's been in there. But uh, we are looking to get more input because we want it to be a useful um, resource for the wider community beyond the six uh, founding companies. I think, uh, and and I know that 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 seems. Uh, that may seem opaque from the website, but that's 
the website's also a little, well, it's sparse, and, and I'm aware of that, so. So, uh, so I mean, that's that sort of dovetails into the question that I wanted to ask, which is the thing that I'm still sort of concerned about, uh, not just sort of, but but definitely concerned about OIN, is its governance structure. So, so what kind of organization is it as far as its corporate status and 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 who governs it? Who's in charge? Who's in control of OIN? Right. So it is the six founding companies, um, which is let me think: uh, IBM, Red Hat, uh, NEC, Sony. Uh, who am I forgetting? Um, I'm forgetting too. I'll remember in a second. But um, and so yeah, and it functions. It's it's incorporated as a for profit, and uh, you know, and and I well know like your um personal uh concerns with the for profit versus a non profit, uh, because uh at heart uh a non profit has written into its governance structure what its goal is, uh, but OAN's goal is is largely this one thing, to provide this defensive resource, and everyone is contractually bound to act in good faith on that. So it's it's weird, and um, I was surprised myself to find out that we are actually incorporated as a for-profit because it does, it functions weirdly for a for-profit, but, um, but I, I don't think a... I don't think a nonprofit structure is the right thing for that either. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would argue that uh, that a, the C six is kind of the right structure that you would want. C six being a trade association, right? Yeah, we've talked about. Oh this. yeah, I know what a C six is, and uh, yeah. No, so, no, 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 I forget we're always like because uh, we're not looking at each other and having a camera representing the uh, unseen listener. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. But you were going to say Deb, about about C sixes. <laughs> oh, jeez! Corporate structure quiz. I wasn't planning. No, no, well, this you, you were going to make a point, and 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 we, we interrupted we you because we didn't want you to think we that we didn't think you knew a lot about <laughs> this stuff. I'm desperately trying to get this conversation back on topic. Deb had a point she was going to make before we got off on this this tangent. So you were going to say something in response to the point about C6s, which was? Oh, yeah, that um, that it, it, it doesn't, for my, I, I'm not super familiar with C6s, but I have a, like at least the high-level um, uh, understanding. And, and it doesn't, it, it, it functions pretty similar, uh, it seems to me, in that way. Or so, so uh, your basic so, your argument is basically it sounds like that that you're a for profit company but you're you're operating very similar to the way a C six would operate even though you could operate a different way you're choosing the, your impression is OAN's choosing yeah to operate I wasn't that way. here when we decided to incorporate um, I'm relatively new um, you know I think it was probably uh, it's probably a function of our for profit founding companies not being super familiar with the you know, like what you can get done with a nonprofit structure. Whereas, like, I know that really well, but, you know, it's um, having just gone through this uh, process on one of the boards that I'm on where we just switched from a for-profit entity to a nonprofit entity. The pile of things that people don't know about how nonprofits are structured and how they work before they get there is huge, so. Yeah, I assumed that it was incorporated as a for-profit so that less needed to be disclosed. You know, like, because I think when you're a nonprofit, you have to report a lot to the IRS and to the public, even if you're a C6. But if you're a for-profit, then you don't need to, you don't need to shed as much light on what you do, which gives you more flexibility. There are pluses and minuses to it. I have heard the idea that um, because the resources we have might at some point be used in a legal, um, you know, in a legal case, 
that it might be to our advantage for it to be not completely clear how many of us there are over here or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that was part of the decision-making process. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I, I haven't bought four or five new houses or a boat, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's not to obfuscate my pay. Um, it's... <laughs> So yeah, I, I can't really comment on the rest because that I, I don't really know. So um, so our, our listeners would probably recognize your voice from a previous show because you were one of the panelists uh, back at Fosdem, which was all the way back in February of this uh, year, uh, 2012. Yeah. Uh, now that we're talking, and we did uh, we did broadcast that on episode two five, um, and uh, and and as you know, I made some comments uh, after about uh, what I thought of the panel, and uh, and I wanted to give you a chance to to uh, to respond to our comments because that's how the idea of bringing you on the show got started you you would email me some comments and and i i'd, I'd love for our listeners to to hear what you had to say and then i'll probably of course respond thereafter yeah uh we went back and forth a little bit but um uh i guess the part that i was the most disappointed about was to hear myself referred to as disingenuous and i um certainly don't intend to be disingenuous there's definitely stuff i don't know which is not the same um and so uh i had sent you, uh, Bradley, uh, for our listeners, um, <laughs> uh, a note saying that I thought, um, you know, we have agreed uh, on many things in the past and we don't agree on um, uh, OIN's work and its uh, niche within the community. Uh, but I thought that disingenuous, using the word disingenuous somewhat uh, crossed the line and made it a little bit more of a personal discussion than we had normally had in the past. On, on really any topic, and so I sent uh, I sent you probably a pretty wordy note, uh, but then I got an even wordier note back. So, that, is, uh, that is true. I was just reviewing them, and I can confirm that, that that my email back was probably three times as long as Deb's initial email um, because I'm I'm sadly verbose. That's one of my worst traits. In fact, um, is that I'm way too verbose. Uh, but uh, but I, the main thing I was the point I made in my response to Deb, uh, which I mean I certainly I, I apologize if you felt that I was calling you uh, disingenuous as a person, and to the extent to which I didn't speak clearly enough, and it sounded like I was saying Deb was a disingenuous person. I don't believe that at all. Uh, that's not true. I think actually Deb is one of the most sincere people that I know, in fact. So mm-hmm. so for me to say that would be like completely counter to what I believe. But I think the point that you made, it was a disingenuous point. And the key point I was focused on is you had made a comment about IBM and and saying, oh, OIN is, you know, the OIN is the organization that wouldn't attack um, free software projects with patents and that OIN is about avoiding getting free software attacked by patents. And in fact, IBM has attacked free software by patents so with patents. So specifically, the Turbo Hercules project was attacked with IBM patents. And those patents are not in Linux system definition. So it's not that IBM was violating the OIN agreement, but IBM yeah. is known to attack some free software projects. And it was that point. I felt the point was disingenuous because it, it glossed over the fact that some of OIN's members are patent aggressors in other right. contexts, well, just not in the OIN before, context. Yeah, as I said before, um, uh, most of our founding members have interest in a lot of different aspects of technology that have nothing to do with uh, Linux, either on the desktop or in the mobile space. And so, uh, yeah, they still, um, they're still working on suing other companies over patent um, uh, infringement in those other areas. Um, the, I didn't, um, it, it gets confusing because I can't, I certainly cannot speak for all of the departments of all of our founding members. I can only say 
what the pieces of those companies that are working on Linux stuff and where they're at and where they are, uh, you know, happily contractually obligated in regards to the stuff that uh, OIN covers. So it's, um, yeah, it's a little tricky and, uh, and, and a panel discussion can get kind of confusing because it's a lot of people talking at once too, but I, um, yeah, it, uh, I, I know I said like, yes, we're, we're working on free software and that's a shorthand because otherwise I have to say like, you know, getting Linux on the desktop and Linux on mobile, um, stuff that right. we have gotten everybody to agree to be non-aggressive on, you know, with some like, extra development tools where people wanted them and then some possible gaps which like nobody in our organization cared about or was interested in including so it's yeah so as a shorthand I often say free software right. but that might be you know I don't mean that in the same way that uh, I, yeah I don't mean for people to say all free software because we're, we aren't we aren't able to do that yet. Right. So. Yeah, and I mean, and I think I think that that's been one of my primary criticisms of OEM, which could get better. I mean, I think the door is open for that to yeah. get better because now we can increase the Linux system definition. When the Linux system definition was so static for so long, my fear was basically that that was being declared the only neutral territory from patents in the free software space, and that everything else was yeah. fair game for attack. And and that was I was really concerned about that because it was sort of it was I felt it was taking a lot of air out of the room of the anti software patent and um, zeitgeist in free software yeah. because it was sort of saying, well, well we have we sort of have like this weird peace treaty agreement that's not really a full peace treaty, but people were pretending that it was. And and I feel like that the Linux system definition still has that problem. Yeah. But if we could expand yeah, it, maybe it'll go away. Yeah, I don't know about the pretending. And uh, but I mean, I can see how it's seen that way. Like when, yeah, if you're waiting for the for something to grow and get bigger, and then it's keeping people from pursuing other tactics then I can see that frustration um I mean I I think you see the same in other kinds of um in other kinds of community organized movements uh I think we spoke on the phone a little bit about the uh, environmental movement that um sometimes different aspects of the environmental movement feel hamstrung by the tactics of their uh colleagues you know it's like right. well I mean uh, the radical is sort of in fact go ahead Karen you were gonna say something oh, no, I was right just right I was just going to say, Deb, that you actually made a really good point on the panel, which is that in this post-Bilsky world where, you know, abolishing software patents doesn't seem to be around the corner, that, you know, regardless, we sort of need to explore as, as you know, as many different options as we can. Yeah, my option is patent trolls for free software, but that's <laughs> that's another topic for another show. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, I, I see us more like the nature conservancy. Like, are we going to, like... Uh, is our society going to stop, like, pumping coal and dirt and mercury into the atmosphere and the water? Like, no. But in the meantime, we can just buy up land and that will be, you know, unsoiled. So it's, it's in that way. It's like, okay, if, if we're not going to see the abolition of software patents across the board anytime soon, then we can at least make sure that we don't bleed the free software companies dry in the meantime. Or, you know, companies that are working um, to, to build free software projects like Linux and Linux on mobile. So, 
So yeah, I mean, it's um, I, you. You make a convincing argument. Uh, I'm not convinced, but I can see why. It, oh, it's I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I mean, I think. But I think something cool that you personally said. Just talk about you personally for a minute. Um, I was giving you a hard time because uh, I always give you a hard time now that you work for OIN, and I was giving you a hard time <laughs> at uh, at scale at your talk, and I made the point that OIN is not anti-software patent, and I think organizations should all be anti-software patent because software patents are wrong. And you you said, well, OIN only pays me half time. Uh, if somebody wants to pay me the other half time to fight against software patents, I will. Well, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, reading about them already. So, you know, if you want to, if you can come up with the funding for that, let me know. Well, I have a plan for that, but that's another topic. Yeah, but, uh, yeah but, I don't know how sold I am on the patent trolls for uh, free software project but yeah, uh, that's it's a little it's know. it's pretty right it's radical even for me so uh so uh so it's it's pretty far over the top but you guys, i feel like you have to get stephen colbert to back that one for it to really get wings <laughs> so like, uh, i would actually it's got to be like all in or not at all it like like um like a kickstarter or something whatever you know like like two thousand dollars for patent trolls against software patents isn't going to cut it like Two billion, like yeah. Actually, my, my theory is in. my theory is two uh, is is a hundred thousand dollars would do it. But anyway, Karen, you were going to say. Oh, I was just going to say that I would actually go back to to go back to the topic that we started on. I I want to go back to the use of the term disingenuous and sort of. Well, I thought I got past that. Now now I'm going to be ripped uh -oh. over the coals. Oh, okay, oh. I'm not going to rip you over behind. the coals. I'm actually going to say that I I find that that um I I have actually used the word disingenuous myself. Um, and launched it against other people. Uh, but I think, you know, and I'm questioning whether that's a really good idea. But I think that I'm, I'm, you know, often for me as a woman speaking it publicly, especially on panels, I'm very cognizant of the terms that other people use when they're criticizing me. And I find that, um, when people use certain terms, one that, um, has been used a number of times has, is, uh, um, what you're, what I, what you're trying to say is, and, you know, and various things that turn the conversation from being merely a discussion about ideas to a commentary on you as a person um, and, and makes it very personal. And I think that it's just I wanted to mention that because I think it's important for people to be aware that this happens and it's a very subtle attack. And um, I think it's it's often um, unintentional or, you know, in, in what, for whatever reason used against women. Um, and it's just worth pointing out so that we're sort of more cognizant of the language that we use and choose. You're smiling at me. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, I want to say again that I do not think Deb is a disingenuous person. And if my comments were construed or believed to be that, or it sounded like that's what I was saying, which I don't think it did, but if it did, it wasn't my intent at all. And I apologize that, 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 that if, if I said the wrong thing, I apologize for saying the wrong thing. I don't think I did. So I'm not going to apologize for the statement yeah. because I went back and listened and I was very careful. I was saying and, that's no, and a I thought disingenuous you meant a different thing to thing. say. And I, I think it's possible for very genuine people, which I think I'm a genuine person too. I've made disingenuous comments. I've been, Karen's told me at times. <laughs> I think I've used the word disingenuous, disingenuous against you. And so I think every, anybody can make a disingenuous comment. I mean, I think Karen's right in saying that, that a, that, that, that it's a difference between saying, well, that thing you just said, that was a disingenuous statement or that was whatever. Yeah. And then saying the person is that. The, 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 and that's subtle and you could screw it up. And I, and it if is. I did, I apologize. Without making yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I think in the moment it sounded like you said, I think that the representative from OIN is being disingenuous as opposed to I think that comment is disingenuous, which is that gets down to a level of nitpicking that, you know, now that I understand your intention better is fine. I don't care. And um, 
Well, I, I think I think the representative from Iran on the call today is a genuine person who occasionally <laughs> makes disingenuous comments, and I will go on record as saying that. <laughs> well, um, I, well, I can still disagree. I suppose, so. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I think I think that's I mean, I think that's the but point. But I think Karen's that's making. an improvement over what you said on the other facecast. So. Okay, yeah, I, um, I apologize if I if I if I made it sound like I was saying a thing I didn't mean, and I didn't mean well, to say it. That I accept your apology. Um, so, Karen, you were trying I, to. Say something there. No, I, I, just... I yeah, I really like what you were saying there because I I feel like many of us in the free software movement uh, agree on somewhere between seventy five and ninety five percent of the stuff, and then because uh, it's very important and it it feels like the mind share for listening to um, us talk about free software to the wider community is is limited, like the amount of the time slice we get, and so. People get very um, emotional, and I think I've seen on more than one occasion, and now I'm not looking at Bradley, um, um, uh, you know, where folks have said stuff um, that sounds like a personal attack, and it makes the community as a whole look uh, contentious, if not outright, you know, a little bit nutty and... uh, you know, maybe a, a bit like a battlefield. Uh, and so it, I don't think that, um, I think when when that goes like too rampant, that kind of um, personal attack, it doesn't do us any favors uh, in bringing whatever message to the wider community. So I think it is worth um, keeping in mind. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that's why, that's basically why I brought it up because I think that a lot of our listeners are, are, the, are the audience listening to a lot of these talks and I think once you're aware that some of these tactics are used rhetorically, well, I wasn't commenting on this particular, um, you know, case, whether, whether it was or wasn't. But when you're aware that these, these rhetorical tactics are used, it becomes, you become a much more informed listener and it, it, it takes them the steam out of those personal attacks. And I think you're right because they don't, they don't help us as a, as a community working together. Right. And especially when, if they are, um, if they are motivated by gender, you said like uh, that you had heard the what I think she's trying to say, which is a really um, disempowering way to refer to a colleague. Uh, but I had occasion, uh, maybe it was like a year ago, to tell someone that um, that shrill is really mm. loaded and oh, and, yeah. and super bad. Like if you're talking about a woman that you don't agree with and you're saying shrill. Um, just because oh, yeah. we we always know whose voices are shrill, like most men uh, with you know their their all their parts still attacked are just aren't capable of shrill, and so uh, to to dismiss someone's comments by the timbre of their voice is yeah uh, hysterical a huge problem is another one that's yeah, used yeah, almost yeah. entirely oh. at women. Well, I, I guess I, I feel somewhat advanced because I stopped using the word hysterical in my teens and. Um, I think it's been about 12 years since I used the word shrill to describe anything but an electronic sound. So, so I'll describe like, an ele- oh my gosh, that, that fire alarm is so shrill, but, but know, I won't say it yeah, about a person. You know, you know, it's another, I'm sorry, this is like, I'm like, oh, you know what somebody once said to me? They said, you're, you're, con- you're harping on this point. And it was like, ooh, harping. Uh-huh. Also. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, does that yeah. come from, what like, well, wait, like etymologically, does that come from harpy or does that come from harp like harpy. a, like a play harp? Like no, a, it it's a harpy. It does a come harpy from like a, like a 
in uh in in like the Greco-Roman mythology, it's a uh, it's like an ugly bird lady that that like keeps making nasty sounds and doesn't or, like, stop crazy or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I never I never it, knew that was so bad. loaded because I thought it came from the musical instrument, not from the mythological figure. No, that figure. would be that would. <laughs> That would be a positive. That would be nice yeah, that's if we could uh, reclaim harp. <laughs> Maybe there are harpists out there reclaiming it and being like, yeah. "That's right, I'm totally harping on this." Like, <laughs> but I, just I find like, harp music really prime, annoying, though. So I don't know if that works. A harp. The, the, the sound of a harp is quite shrill, actually. <laughs> I think it depends on the size of the harp. The size. Totally matters there. <laughs> uh, this is probably a good time to mention that uh, that Deb and I are both advisors of the ADA Initiative, and the ADA Initiative just received their 501c3 tax status. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you think that some of the stuff that we've said has resonated with you, or um, and and you see sort of the the value, of, but also the challenges that that Deb and I sometimes face as, as speakers, um, who are who are also women and and. And if you generally want to support women in technology, you should go ahead and, and go and donate to them. We'll include their link in the show notes, right, Bradley? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was nodding. That's really that's really good for audio. Um, so, so, Deb, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance. I mean, obviously, I, I think we, we are going to try to have Chris Weber on at some point, especially now that, like I said, we have the technology working. But is there anything you wanted to briefly say about New Media Goblin or any of your other projects? We talked mostly about OIN here and some about uh, uh, about uh, gender issues, which I think is important, too. But I want to give you an opportunity, anything you want to say about your other projects you're working on. Oh, sure. So, um the other two projects that I, I, I also serve on the board at Open Hatch, uh, and I do, uh, the community management for Media Goblin. Um, I'll take Media Goblin first, I guess. Um, so we recently celebrated our one year anniversary, which is really exciting, and, uh, we're in the process of looking at ways to get more paid, uh, paid development time happening on that project. Um, Media Goblin, uh, just to back up for folks that are not aware of it, is a it's a GNU project. It is uh, we're building decentralized media hosting software, and so uh, the media hosting part is is largely there for many formats of video. HTML5 video is there, uh, ASCII art, which was fun, uh, some sound, and uh, of course pictures. And then uh, the decentralized part is uh, the bit that we're working on now. So it's it's a Python project, and if you're listening and you're interested in working on decentralized media hosting and uh, uh, either know Python or want to learn Python, then you should come find us on IRC. Um, and what's and, the IRC uh, channel, Deb? Friendly. Uh, it's Pound Media Goblin on uh, Freenode, where all the other glossy stuff is. Um, and then the other project I work on, uh, or I, I guess, should I? did you guys have questions about Media Goblin? I don't know if I answered everything. No, yeah, I think I, you guys know. Yeah, yeah, we we know, and I think that's a good enough general overview. And like I said, we're we're gonna try to schedule Chris for yeah. a later show, and he'll he'll tell us more about it. So, uh, so do you want to tell us about Open Hatch? Sure. Uh, so Open Hatch is a project started by my friend Ashish Laroya, and um, it is Free Software's welcoming committee. So we have uh, little training missions on the website, uh, all kinds of resources. Places for uh, new developers or uh, developers who are already familiar with the programming language but uh, haven't found a project to plug into, uh, a place where they can find bite-sized bugs. So we do that on the website, and then 
Uh, we also work on uh, building in-person events that are, uh, you know, help us to get more folks into free software. So uh, one of those partnerships is the Boston Python workshops to uh, teach Python to women and their friends for absolute beginners. Uh, we've also been doing one called Open Source Comes to Campus where um, we go and uh, work with CS students and talk to them about hey, maybe you don't want to work for Microsoft when you graduate. Here's a whole other world of software that you could get involved with. Uh, and so we do those uh, in-person projects. So uh, I, I serve on the board. Um, she's is a powerhouse. It's great to watch. It's great to support him. So uh, you can come see us um, openhatch.org or uh, pound openhatch on Freenode. And I actually had one more question, which uh, was... Uh, yeah. I was requested to ask by Mike Tarantino, the author of our theme music. He, he wanted to know if your band is playing anytime soon. <laughs> uh, we just did um, we just did a concert maybe two weeks ago because we released a seven inch um, on vinyl. So it's uh, it's it's on Bandcamp, which is not you know like software wise. I'm not the person who handles the uh, web hosting stuff for our site, although. Um, you know, when we get around to licensing, I'll have a lot to say. But as so, so far, it's just available on Bandcamp for streaming or on vinyl, which um, I don't usually bring to conferences with me. <laughs> but if you want one, I'll bring one. <laughs> and, and, what's, and what's your part in the band, Deb? Uh, I'm a vocalist, so. Um, and it's really good. We were listening to it the other day. Oh, you were. We were. <laughs> so, so is it? So you said you haven't dealt with the licensing. Is it CC by SA licensed or CC? We by? haven't licensed. It at all yet? It's just uh, it's just out there for the world. Well, you know start. what you should do um, is well, you should you should make sure that it's freely licensed in some way because then uh, maybe our producer Dan Lynch will play it on mm -hmm. Rat Hole Radio. He does a whole uh, show. I guess we should oh. plug that too. Uh, Dan Lynch does a bi-weekly show where he plays uh, CC BIASA music and and find stuff called Rat Hole Radio. And so I bet he would be lo would love to play you if you license it freely. Oh yeah, fantastic! Yeah, we just never even talked about it. Like it took us so long to do the mixing that we never got around to talking about the licensing. <laughs> so, um, so Deb, I, I want to thank you for being on the show, and um, yeah, and I was really great, and I'm glad we were able to have that conversation with our listeners present or listening, so that they can they can hear uh, hear you and me go at it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, great! And uh, when am I? Uh, when are we going to go at it in person again? Um, well, uh, I don't know, because I'll be at OSCON. <laughs> I'll be at OSCON, and I'll be at LinuxCon North America and LinuxCon Europe. Those are the only ones I have coming up. Are you going to be at any of those, Deb? I'll be at OSCON. Okay. Well, we'll all be there then, because you're going, right, Karen? Or yeah, I decided? think so. Okay. Oh, you are? Okay. I'm, I'm not 100% decided, but I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'd be great. Maybe we can have another, um, uh, you know, copy left geek lunch or something. So fun. Yeah. Okay. So, th so thanks for thanks for being on our show, Deb. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye, Deb. So Deb's a busy person. Yeah. On different projects, but uh, mostly she's very eloquent about them. That is definitely true, and uh, and so I'm glad she she wrote to me, and I'm glad we clarified it. And it was also a catalyst for us to get uh, a guest on because I felt that she, I mean, she had an, an issue to raise that was a legitimate issue to raise, and I felt it was good to get her on the air to raise it. I think it's pretty fun because a lot of the times when we do things like this, there is back channel afterwards, and it, you know nobody really knows about it. It just sort of. 
Yeah, and people, because we don't have forums. Although our RC channel is, is relatively active these days, although it's the same usual suspects. I mean, it's probably like 12 or 13 people who are regularly in there. But uh, if you want to come join, there is usually discussion pretty much every day now. Um, Karen and I don't participate all that much. Um, I'm, I think we're both now idle on the channel all the time, but, we, but usually you have to say our names to get our attention. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'm, I'm so busy with other things that I don't notice it until the conversation's already too old. Yeah. But... Um, but in any event, like uh, as per usual, um, we're you know we're gonna be probably lagging behind the times a little. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that's come up recently. Well, it was a heavy, heavy news week in the end. It's funny because when I was shopping around the story that we talked about on our last show uh, regarding Conservancy's uh, GPL compliance efforts, uh, a number of journalists sort of said, "Well, it's, a, it's you know you're announcing this on the Fedora release day," and I said, "Well, yeah. it's a Fedora release." I said, "This happens sometimes." Uh, you know, it'll be a heavy news day. But the thing that I didn't know was going to happen, and fun amusingly enough, um, it, sh it shows how people have different roles and they don't really cross because uh, Matthew Garrett, even though he's working directly with us on GPL compliance activities at Conservancy uh, in the GPL compliance program for Linux developers, uh, he did not mention to me at all during all that, which is completely appropriate. I'm not upset about it, but I didn't know that with this Fedora release, they were going to be announcing their policy for dealing with UEFI. Um, and it's a different a different uh, role that Matthew has because he's doing that as you know, both as an yeah. individual developer, which has nothing to do with compliance, GPL compliance, really. Um, although some people have raised questions about whether Fedora is, uh, it, what they're doing is compliant with the GPL. And there was a lot of discussion on Matthew's blog about that. Um, and I have it on good authority that there will uh, there will be a, a, a statement from FSF uh, about about its views on UFI. Actually, oh, okay. there's already there's already the uh, restricted boot campaign. Yeah. Uh, FSF's already said quite a bit about UEFI, but they're going to be uh, updating. Specifically. And updating yeah. those statements uh, in lieu, in, in, in lieu, in, not in lieu, because Matthew's statements will be there in light of Matthew's statements. Right. They'll, they'll, oh, they'll very also cool. be, be updating some stuff. And I, I don't I don't actually know what, I mean, the FSF uh, staff's working on that and looking into it. So um, they actually are paying close attention to that and are going to be uh, probably having a statement. I, I, the reason I'm so willing to say this is because it's supposed to be Monday, which means this will be out on Tuesday and probably it'll already be up. And if not, it'll be up very soon. Cool. Um, so we'll probably talk about that down the road, and also yeah, I, I think I want to do a whole show. And we haven't really talked about UEFI in great no, detail. We We've haven't. mentioned it three or four times. Well, we actually, didn't we detail. do one show about it? We did a show about Grub, but that wasn't about UEFI specifically. No, oh. now, now you're making me look at the back catalog. I'm not sure. See. I don't think we've actually talked in detail. I don't remember. Talking but yeah, about I'd UEFI. like to do a show about it too. And so, then... so I think we we want to do a show about UEFI. Um, and clearly, I, more has come out on. And obviously, I do work with Matthew Oracle, Garrett Google. regularly, and so I may. I, I can't promise this. I'm not promising a guest, but I will float the idea with Matthew Garrett. I was going to just say that, but I didn't want to even yeah, I'm mention not gonna, it. <laughs> I'm not going to say we can do it. And Matthew's very, very busy. I know because I work with him on a project, and so I know that, that he's busy with lots of projects all at once. And so, uh, so we'll, but we'll make the ask and see if, if maybe Matthew can be on um, and see if he can talk more about about the UFI stuff. And if not, we'll just we'll just sort of cover the whole gamut of all the stuff people are saying. And the other thing that I wanted to cover, and I, I was talking with Karen about this privately on IRC uh, just last week, I'd really like to go through and, and do a really in-depth, uh, sort of at this, at this point, a post-mortem of Google. Well, but it's, it's not really necessarily just a post-mortem because I was talking to lawyers who were involved in the case and asking um, individuals, an individual particularly, if uh, that person would want to come on our show um, and talk about the case and was told that because there's going to be an appeal 
they're really limited to what they can talk about. So, you know, it's still somewhat ongoing, um, but right, it's well, very interesting to talk get, about. Yeah. I don't know that we need to go through like the whole docket, but I think we should talk about the decisions. Yeah. And Karen said, Karen said I was wasting my time to read the whole docket. I just think reading the decisions is the most important thing. Uh, agreed. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to, uh, to having, there's having... no stopping Bradley. Yeah, and and I don't have a life, so I mean, Karen was like, "You have more. You have too much time. Like, are you doing enough work for like, conservancy?" You have, I was like, you, you, "You have more time than I do." Yeah, well, you said it's sort of hidden in it was, "Are you actually keeping pulling your way to conservancy if you have time to read the whole docket?" But uh, probably on some weekend day. No, I wouldn't suggest that. Oh, you were suggesting that <laughs> because you're busy doing good home stuff, and you were suggesting, "Hey, wait a second. How do you have time for that? You don't have time for that." <laughs> um, so, but I, I think I'm probably on some Saturday morning. I'll, I'll sort of go through and read um, at least the complaints and the complaint and the and the answer and those sorts of things. Oh, oh, I see. Because you haven't read the okay. Yeah, I haven't read any yeah. of it. I, oh, I, oh, I see. Time to I, I, I skimmed the complaints when they because that was the news back then. Yeah, but no, I didn't read any of it because I mean, I I, I just read the news article. Okay, I, I, mean, I, I read the news them. articles, which I know were wrong, but I figured it's the best I can do right now. I mean, I, conservancy's been up to a lot as we talked about last week. So there's a lot going on in conservancy. So I so I. I mean, basically, Oracle v. Google does not impact conservancy, especially now um, with the with the, the APIs not being copyrightable. That would have been the most place where we would have been worried yep. um, as conservancy because we do have people who implement APIs in conservancy. But, I, I mean, with that settled, I mean, certainly the patent fight was of no interest. It, I mean, we're conservancy against software patents, and people can go fight about them. Um, and we don't have any projects written in Java either, so there was that too. Right, 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 right. Well, I guess not I, that we don't want any. We, we would love for you to apply if you're written in Java, but uh, we have not had any. What's interesting is that we've had moments in this show where we've sort of said, "When are we? Are we like we're running out of things to talk about? How can our show remain interesting?" And then it just seems like we can't even keep up with the news cycles. Well, yeah, and I think I think that's. I mean, I think there are enough topics, and I think I think that people should treat this show. We don't want to be a new show, no, um, and we can't be because of Karen's and my's. Karen's and my's. Karen and my. Karen's and my limited time. Uh, but we can digest things and really talk about them after, and and, and give you some in depth analysis. And I think we want to do that. We have to schedule the time for us to do the research because we don't want to present to you something that's half-baked that we haven't done the research on. That's why we like including talks, because then other people do the research. Well, true enough. <laughs> that we just react to it. Yeah, but, uh, but we've got... <laughs> but no, no, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's time to come back to yeah, our, yeah. our of, substantive Of all talks. people, get this, of all people this week, Richard Fontana was complaining to me that we have too many talks, when in fact his talks have been presented like three times. That's maybe why he's complaining. No, but he likes his talks to be presented. I think he was making, in addition to go back to our interview, I think Richard Fontana was making a disingenuous comment. So basically what's happening here is that Bradley is inviting Fontana to come into the channel on Faith and um, and argue about this. Yeah, well, which is and also fine. we've invited Richard on as a guest and he's working on getting audio equipment, which I just today at record date, uh, which is the Friday before you're hearing this, sent him again the email of what he needs to ask Fab uh, at Linux Outlaws to get these stuff and apparently I'm sorry Fab is a host a co-host with Dan Lynch of a show called Linux Allies we got recent criticism that we mentioned yep. Fab and Dan Dan is our Dan Lynch our producer on this show he also has his own show that I mentioned a little while ago Rat Hole Radio and also uh, there, he's co-hosting a different show called Linux Outlaws, which is uh, which is sort of a news and info show for Linux-related uh, topics, really GNU slash Linux-related topics, although Fab hates GNU slash. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and Fab, he's the co-host. Um, and I can't pronounce Fab's last name right, despite speaking a little bit of German, so I won't, but it's Dan and Fab of Linux Outlaws. That's what I was referring to. But Fab is supposed to get 
some info to Fontana about what audio equipment to buy so he can have a mic. And I also gave him a backup option, which was $40, which he can Okay, afford. this is stuff being interesting. Okay, well, <laughs> I just want to call Fontana out to buy his microphone. He can be a guest as soon as he gets a microphone. Cool. Reason Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Reason Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Reason Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Reason Freedom website, faith.us. That's f a i f.us. <laughs> <laughs>